welcome to Rope Access Tips, Tricks and Chats. As always, I'll be your host Lee Greenwood and I'd like to say welcome to this episode. This week it's a bit of a controversial one. Uh, I've had a few requests to put this episode together so I thought I'd just throw it down and see where it goes. Um, So this week we are going to talk about the Petzl shunt, where it came from, how it was used what it was used for, why we can't use it anymore, and all of those strange questions. So um, a lot of this is uh, information that I've gathered from other people. Um, some of it's involved with uh, people that I know from uh, from Petzl, uh, meetings I was involved in with IRATA, um, how things evolved. So hopefully it will give you a bit of a backstory of the uh, wonderful world of the Petzl shunt. Uh, not sure we can follow the standard Arata meeting rules where if you say um, the word shunt, you have to buy a round of drinks because I think I'll uh, I'll be in trouble with this episode. As always, uh, if you could like the uh, podcast, subscribe, all of those good things, press the appropriate buttons, that would be amazing. And one favour I could ask, I'm doing this for free, so if you could share it um, with your friends, that's the only payment that I ask. Get the word out there about the podcast that would be amazing but anyway let's uh, have a chat about the petzl shunt so the petzl shunt originally designed as a mechanical prusik i believe uh, way before my time um, in the 60s 70s somewhere around there um, i was lucky enough to be in uh, salt lake city at the u.s uh, office of petzl and they had a pretty good display There's some cool photos of the original uh, shunt. It was used below a figure of eight or stitch plate type descender where you've got two ropes going through and then you would have this attached um, onto your harness in some configuration. So, And you would squeeze a device, uh, squeeze a shunt down below if anything happened to you and you let go of it. It would grab hold of the rope just like your hand would on a... um, on a rope if you grabbed hold of it so it would squeeze the rope that's what it was originally designed for how did it sort of end up in the rope access world um, I'm going off of uh, stories I've been told about how we went from a single rope system to a twin rope system with rope access so this is a bit of a uh, um, old wives tale folklore I'm not sure which one it is but I'll tell the story and uh, we'll see where it goes so Originally, rope access was being done on cliff faces and other environments like that, a lot of sort of geo work, things like that. And it was mainly climbers, some cavers, depending on which part of uh, the UK. Uh, This is a story that I know, having spoken to people that were doing rope access in the sort of late 70s, early 80s, that sort of time era. They were working around in uh, these different areas on their... Um, abseiling rope so if they were climbers it was a rope that they'd use for abseiling down cliff faces to whether it was clean routes or do whatever they were doing and the cavers were using their rope that they used for descending down into the cave so they had their low stretch rope and um, and they were just working away on a single line and then uh, other work started getting offered to them Um, obviously there was some offshore stuff starting to happen um, but onshore they were starting to work on some nicer blocks of flats around, uh, you know, places like Sheffield and uh, various places like that up in Scotland and some other places, abseiling down the side, whether it was cleaning windows or doing repairs or whatever the work was. 
And then all of a sudden they were getting pulled into environments in the sort of the bad part of town. There was council flats and things like that. And one of the stories I was told was they were they weren't concerned about their anchors breaking or their ropes cutting on the edge. What they were concerned about was if uh, some crazy decided to uh, lean out of a window and cut their rope. So they thought it might be a good idea to put a second rope into the system. Uh, a lot of the Climbers, all they had was their dynamic climbing rope, so they threw that over the edge, and they needed to come up with a way of attaching to that rope. One of the things that they did, uh, there was various devices. Some people were using prussics. There were some other different devices I'm not that familiar with that were kicking around, but some people had a uh, had a shunt in their, in their sort of gear bag, and so they put that on the rope. If you've ever played around with a shunt, um, a lot of you would have. Some of you may not have. Um, it's got space for two ropes, as I mentioned earlier, two ropes to attach into it. So what a few people were doing was attaching it onto your working line and onto your backup line as well, and then have some sort of uh, lanyard going from there to your harness. Um, That could have been a sling. It could have been an old piece of climbing rope, so a dynamic cow's tail, as we call it now, to have that connected to you. And then you would descend down. If somebody cut your main line you were hanging on, you would fall onto the secondary rope. Um, There was a few uh, basic tests done on this. Uh, One that I heard about was in a bridge near Sheffield. They took a big water container, took it down to the river, filled it up with water to make it sort of 100 kilos, so 100 litres. And um, they hung the uh, water container up on the ropes and had the, um, the main line and then the shunt attached to both ropes. And they cut the main line. And the issue that they had was when they cut the main line, that rope, because it had no weight on it, it became fatter. So it was um, it was a wider diameter than the rope that was going to be under tension. So the dynamic uh, climbing rope they had under tension. And so the shunt couldn't grab onto that rope and the whole water container, everything, slid down the rope and hit the ground. So I went, well, that's not very good. Um, I believe, and this is all from memory, people telling me various tales, I believe they then put it on, set up the same system, but they had the shunt attached to one rope, so just attached to the dynamic rope as a secondary rope coming down because they wanted the shock absorbency, I guess, or was it that's all they had? I'm not sure. They did the same test, and the problem that they had there was it did grab on the rope, but the amount of stretch in that dynamic rope, everything hit the ground again. So then there was a move to move over to two low-stretch ropes, the basic system we use today, so a working line and a backup line, and with the shunt that was being used at the time attached to the one rope, and that system seemed to work really well. Um, Over the years, there have been letters um, from Petzl, the manufacturer of the shunt, to Irata. Um, I remember seeing a letter dated back in 1999, that said that the uh, the shunt could be used in the configuration that we use it in or was being used in. So it was um, had a small piece of string attached to the, the little hole on the back of the device and it was used with a carabiner and a dynamic cow's tail attached to the uh, ventral part of the harness. Um, back in the early days, the cow's tail was actually tied around the harness like a climber would, um, but that's something we moved away from. Maybe I'll chat about that on a episode if anybody's interested definitely let me know so we've now got the um the shunt that's being used uh, quite extensively through industry very cheap device and very well known 
There were um, some tests done at Petzl head office. This was back in uh, sort of 2008, 2009, I believe. Um, some of our other assessors and, uh, and executive members were there and they did some tests and they were trying to um, bypass the shunt actually being effective. I remember Paddy Morris telling me a story. He was there. He put really thick cord on the hole at the back. So it was like five mil cord. He put gloves on it and there was some... Uh, test done so they cut a main line the guys had a dynamic rope as a another backup but they um needed to let go of the uh of the towel of the shunt because people would generally be towing this and they were successful some people were successful some people unsuccessful but the idea was to see if we could make it it didn't work um i've never seen these results being published i just heard some stories about it saw a couple of photos and videos and things like that way back in the day and then um a great device came out from Petzl, the Petzl ASAP. That's uh, obviously got its own story and its own uh, episode that we'll need to do at some stage. So if you're keen on that, definitely let us know. That evolved being a uh, rated backup device. So the thing with the, um, the Petzl shunt, it's never conformed to a industrial standard. Back in the day, there wasn't an industrial standard for a backup device. So it just conformed to EN567, which is a mountaineering standard for the for a rope grab, so very similar to a hand ascender. That's just one of the standards that they can conform to. But now there's industrial standards for backup devices coming about, and obviously the ASAP and other devices were conforming to these, but nobody seemed to be able to get past the um, the old school use of the, uh, of the shunt. And then in 2011, I believe it was, a letter was released from Petzl stating that um, the shunt could no longer be used as a backup device in the configuration we used it in. I remember this got released and I was at a IRATA executive meeting, uh, I believe it was in Geneva back then, and there was sort of ripples going through the industry. Uh, people were cutting off the strings off the back of shunts. There was a lot of people obviously out there working. People were coming up with uh, ways and things that they wanted to do and what they might do, and industry sort of had to start moving over. Um, other... Um, manufacturers had been developing things. DMM had developed the um, Buddy, uh, which was a gold sort of backup device. There was the Ushbar Shock Lock. There was a Rocker. There was quite a few different devices. Um, S-Tech uh, over in Brazil, they came up with the uh, S-Tech Dakar, um, which um, has a similar sort of uh, shell cam to a, to a shunt, so a very sort of familiar device for a lot of people to use. There was all these other devices coming out. Petzl developed the ASAP lock as well. So there was all these devices coming out. But the main thing is that the the shunt doesn't conform to a industrial standard for a backup device. Or if you went to buy a brand new shunt today, it doesn't get tested to any standard at all. It's a mechanical prusik, um, and that's what it was originally, and it doesn't conform to any of these standards. So um, the big question, can you still use it? Um me personally, yes, I still use a shunt on site. I don't use it as a backup device, but I definitely use a shunt on site. It's a really good rope grab if I want to hang something up. Um, uh, so buckets and things like that, using it as a rope grab, I definitely use it for that. Uh, the shunts that I have uh, were tested to the 567 standard, so the same as a hand ascender. And so I, I can use it where it's a non-toothed device, which is uh, quite handy. Other place that I like to use a shunt is if I've got a set of tension lines and I want to tension them up, I can put the shunt onto both tension lines 
attach a carabiner to it and tension both ropes at the same time. So still a useful device. We just can't use it as a backup device in industry. Um, there are people that I've spoken to and they say, well, as long as you risk assess it, you can still use it. Um, I have a bit of an issue with that in the fact that if I'm going to risk assess it, um, can I eliminate uh, the use of it? Is there a better device to use? Um, obviously, there are. There's di different devices that could be used that conform to the various standards. So I, I can't really justify people still using a, um, a shunt as a backup device. People saying that they can't afford to buy a new uh, a new device. Um, you know, uh, there's um, it's a tool, so you need to update your your stuff. If something goes wrong, I'm sure uh, people may get hung out to dry if they're not using appropriate devices. But that's up to them, obviously. So yeah, that's uh, that's just a bit of a story about the shunt. As I said, uh, a few people have requested that we uh, sort of tell you about how it happened, what happened. I know that I've trained a lot of people for level threes, um, even level three revals who have never used a shunt as a backup device, don't know the story, so I thought it was worth sharing. So that's all I've got. Um, as always, guys, if you could share the podcast, that'd be great. Um, let us know what you want to hear about. This is a uh, episode that came from uh, some of the listeners, so definitely um, let us know what you want me to chat about. Happy to uh, reach out and have a chat with you guys, see what's going on. If there's anybody you think we should chat to, definitely uh, let us know and we'll try and get them lined up. But anyway, for now, stay safe. I'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers.